Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. You're listening to episode 16-6, and I'm your host, Rob Nichols, and over here is my other hosts. Oh, you, you were going into it like you were going to introduce me. <laughs> I'm just, now, trying, to, I'm just gotta, trying to trip you up like I did last week. I got to do my own legwork. Hello, everyone. My name is Purnell. I eat red-hot potato chips, and I play board games. And every once in a blue moon, you might catch mm. me at the local frozen yogurt shop, you know, just grabbing a spoonful. I like yeah. that. Some Froyo. Yeah. Get some Froyo. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, th- this week we have something super special, but we have some top of the show stuff I want to get out of the way. Um, first off, uh, January 27th in Philadelphia is the Everything is Awesome Comedy and Podcast Festival. And you can catch us on South Street at 2 p.m. on the S- S- South Street Cinema. That's a lot of S's. Yes. Um, I was looking at there. Apparently, there slithering snakes slump. I got really confused because their advertisement on their website says Street South Cinema, which I don't know why they would slithering snakes stalk Silver <laughs> Cinema South Street. But come on out. There's uh, four venues. There's uh, the Tattooed Mom, Milk Boy, South Street Cinema, and Thirsty Dice, which is a board game cafe. And it's just a full day's worth of podcasts and comedy shows and stand up and improv. And and video game music. Now there will be video game music. Yeah, we're the we are going to pioneer the VGM scene as far as that can, yes. as, as far as that bro, that locale goes. And hopefully, we may even be do well enough to become regulars. Who, yeah, knows? who knows? So check it out. So two p.m. at the South Street Cinema, January twenty seventh. That's a Sunday, and there's a stuff going on all day. And I know this is a this episode's coming out late, but um, happy Magfest, everybody. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're probably all dealing with your MAGFest, your post-MAGFest depression syndrome yes. as it goes. But uh, if you're jamming out to this, at least you know, hey, you're not truly alone in, ga- in the gamerverse. You just, you're taking a slight breather right. away it, from a massive three-day party. Yeah, and if you're missing party. the bands that you saw that weekend and, and you're feeling really sad about that, listen to our show. We'll have them on the show. Dude, that's, actually, that could be a New Year's resolution for, for our podcast. What's up? Try to get every band that's at MAGFest on as a guest. It's a long show. That's a long Not list. one episode. <laughs> that's a long, long show. <laughs> Not one episode. No. We've already gotten a couple of them as it is. It's just a matter oh, of yeah, going through a, the rest. More than a few. Yeah. More than a few. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do we have anything else? Um, no. That's it. End of the show. Dun, dun, dun. dun. No, New right. Year's resolution. <laughs> we decided we wanted to make the episodes very short. Now, I'm sure there's something I am forgetting. But, um, so we'll get into it. This week, episode 16-6, we have none other than Hammock from KVGM, The Last Wave, um, another video game music podcast. Hello, Hammock. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. I'm Absolutely. All, I'm already sweating bullets over here because every time Rob mentions you and he's like, hey, this is, Hammock does this cool podcast and my brain always goes to Hammock! Like that's, <laughs> that's how I say your name and I, it, I can't do it any other way. It, it stems from an old video game I used to play where a character made a sound like that and just for some reason <laughs> I took that to Hammock and that's who you are to me. You're mm. loudly proclaimed, well exclaimed. DJ Hammock. And, and yet, your music is all chill music, which is almost the exact opposite of me being loud about who you are. 
I was probably whispering it probably. Yeah. So tell us a little <laughs> bit of, tell us a little bit about KVGM. Like what 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 started that for you and, and what do you love about it? Uh Actually, it's, it's a kind of a funny story. So I uh, lived in Portland, Oregon about uh, three or four years ago, and a buddy of mine actually turned me on to the Legacy Music Hour, oh, yes. which I'm sure everyone is familiar with at this point. Um, and I'd always loved video game music, but I didn't realize that there was video game music podcast. Hmm. Uh, so I kind of went down a VGM rabbit hole, and uh, long story short, I actually pitched The Last Wave to X-Ray FM, which is a local Portland oh, okay. uh, radio station. And they liked the idea of the format, you know, being smooth jazz program, but replacing the smooth jazz with smooth VGM. <laughs> and it, they picked it up and it got slotted for some ridiculous time, like <laughs> I think Sunday nights from 10 to 11.30 p.m. What? Uh, <laughs> Go to bed too. <laughs> this is a great story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, with my work, I wasn't able to commit. And then we ended up moving from Portland. Uh, but three years later, my wife was like, you know what? You should just do the show that you would have done, but as a podcast. Absolutely. And so... There you go. KBGM presents The Last Wave. Yes. I love it. I absolutely um, love the format. I love that it's uh, it's very music-focused. You have some like really nice words to say in between, but it's definitely on that very smooth, smooth music focus, which is what I really, really enjoy. And it's kind of the, the difference between uh, Purnell and I and my uh, um, tastes. Not really tastes, because you like it. But it's just a matter not, of like what you gravitate yeah, towards. Yeah, you're not like, gravitate towards. You like, like I like '90s stuff. rap, but when's the last time you heard me put Will Smith on my tape player? Huh? Don't yeah, answer that. Exactly. But the point is, like, yeah, like Rob is all about this style of music to the mm-hmm. point where he'll seek it out intentionally. Whereas in my case, I might be playing a game, and a really cool, chill track will come on, and it'll be it'll hit at the right time, both in my mindset and in the game's playing, the playing of the game. Then it hits me and it works. But after that's done, it's like, okay, time to look up some music to play just at work mm-hmm. or to get things done. I never think to go towards chill music. Right. So when Rob goes, hey, we have this guest coming on. We got Havoc on the show. <laughs> and uh, the topic is chill music. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. I'm like, a fish out of water on this. I don't know what to do. Um, yeah. So that's... I'm I'm really I'm really excited to to play some of these picks because I tend to gravitate towards that on, on the show. Um, definitely, I think I was influenced when I first started listening to the Legacy Music Hour with Brent Weinbach's like kind of like he liked like the the jazzy the 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 fusion type stuff, and um, that really caught my attention too. Um, I had a question and I can't remember it anymore. <laughs> mm. That's okay. Um, so I'm going to ask is. And it's the only time I'm going to ask it. Hammock. That is because it's super smooth, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you're laying out on the beach. Call your it. Hammock. Call it. I'm so happy. <laughs> I mean, it would have been cool if it was like your middle name, but you know. But he's like, no. It stems from the fact that when I, when, before I lived in Oregon, we actually lived in South Carolina, and man, they had a thing for hammock fries. That's right. You know, hammock fries. <laughs> Just chop them up, fry them out, and eat. Hammocks. It's just it's just pork rinds, right? Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah. So yeah. So KVGM, um, a, a, a fantastic new uh, video game music podcast. Um, there are many um, video game music podcasts still in production, and we all absolutely support each other. Um, and so, um, if you're out there and you like other podcasts, if you like this podcast, please go check them out. Um, 
check them out. Check out Hammock's podcast, uh, KBGM <laughs> The Last Wave. It's it's really great stuff. Let's get into music because clearly I can't talk straight and it's no fun for anybody. Honestly enough, I figure having him on this episode, mm. if you haven't checked out his podcast yet, you're going to get a taste of what this man oh. can throw down today. Yes, 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 yes. We absolutely are. So um, the first track you'd like to play, uh, which one would it be? All right. So this is from a new 3D golf simulation Devil's Course from the Sega Genesis. It's called Music Number no. Six, and the composer, I believe, is Yumi Kinoshita. Hmm. Let's get in. Music number six from New 3D Golf Simulation, Devil's Course, from the Sega Genesis, composed by Yumi Kinoshita. Wow, that's you're bringing exactly what I wanted to hear tonight, without a oh, doubt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to hear at this moment. This is just it's like it's setting the setting the stage for the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, we were sitting here trying to speculate whether or not this track was more equi- akin to uh, like a menu theme. Or actual course theme, mm-hmm. being that as a golf game, and when it comes to those, it's kind of hard to tell where it places because the entire scene of golf is just relaxation and mellow, chill atmospheres. But you propose that as the ending track. It could be because there's an ending to the song, 
That doesn't necessarily mean that, though. But this this is a good question for Hammock, then. And this is going to give me some insight on, the, on how he approaches game music. Or I guess game music for podcasts. Have you played this game? And then also, like, how many... How many of your music track choices come from games that you've actually played? Because mine is very little. Uh, yeah, mine is very little as well. I've not mm. played this game. I played Pebble Beach, yeah. which is another one. So basically, the the T and E series of golf games, this Pebble Beach, Augusta, uh, they were big inspirations behind you know the original Last Wave concept. I basically wanted to play video game music for people who don't necessarily like video game music. Yes. So lots of jazz on these soundtracks are at least inspired by real smooth jazz. Mm. But I would say 90, maybe 90% of what I play on the show, I've never played the actual game. Well, we can flat out say one, that officially makes you and Rob kindred spirits. <laughs> and yeah. number two, I legitimately appreciate and love that that was your intent for the last wave. Because mm. while I don't think Rhythm and Pixels our baseline reasoning was that though of course it'd be great if we could get people that didn't like BGM to listen to the show and enjoy it right but I've always video game talk exactly but like I've always had this thing Mm -hmm. ever since I was like a late teen early adult where I wanted to actually get get access to like the DJ booth at a nightclub or a bar and play nothing but video game music but habits that the people at the bar don't know it's video game music and start tapping their feet to it like I don't know who this new DJ is, but he make he has some quality jams going off here. Who is this guy? <laughs> hey, you got Koshiojo or something. Well, Koshiojo. The, the Sega Genesis can definitely get those deep bass sounds and um, those long sustained notes that you get on these solos. Oh, they're so good. Mm-hmm. Actually, the solo on this track is is fantastic. And you said this is um, um, uh, Yumi Kinoshita. Did Yumi Kinoshita worked on? Pebble Beach golf links, right? I think she worked on all of the oh. TNE golf games for the Sega Genesis. Yeah. Actually, this is worth asking as a follow-up then. So, you said you didn't play this game. However, being that golf games are typically masters of containing relaxing, chill music, can you name, are there any like particular golf games that you really do like that you like, hey, this is what I usually go to when I want to relax after a stay at work <laughs> or whatnot? Uh, well, I used to play a lot of power golf for the Turbo, Turbo Graphics team. Yes. <laughs> my, my dad loved that game, and he would kill me every time we play. And so as a kid, I would try my hardest, and the music in that game is also very good, very chill. Yes. Um, but I have the fondest memories of that game, in particular when it comes to golf games. Now you are officially my kindred spirit because oh, yeah. <laughs> that is the first golf game that I actually came to appreciate and enjoy playing. Oh, no kidding! And I actually still have the Hue card because, like, I sold it, but I had to get it back just from the nostalgia element of it all. But um, yeah, that game is fantastic. Though I think it's funny, and I'm curious if you had if, actually you in this case too, Rex. I know you've played some video golf titles. Oh, sure. But um, coming into video golf, mm. I had no experience with real golf. I was always, always perceived as being just a generally boring sport that is for people with money, i.e. not for me. Um, so playing golf video style, if I ended a course over like zero, I assumed I did a horrible job and I had to start the whole thing over. And yet you learn eventually in real golf oh, yeah, it's- that like a plus 10 is probably a good score depending on the course. So like... Would you say you guys were on that element too? Were you just like, look, whatever score I get is what I got? I think I almost all, I almost always played video golf games 
competitively with like my brother or with a friend. So it didn't really matter what I actually scored as long as it was better than the other guy. I guess I could see that too. Yeah. Um, I used to play a lot of NES golf where it looked like Mario was golfing. All oh, those sports games looked like Mario was playing. It was awesome. It was an interesting element I really to enjoyed it. that. And um, what, was it, what was it called? Like PGA Tour Golf. Like, it was like a CD-ROM game where after you hit the ball, it would land and it would have to like redraw the screen. You know, you know, it would land and you would see the field, but you wouldn't see the trees and then slowly the trees would pop <laughs> up. loads oh, everything yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about that. It's like really nostalgic for me. I really enjoy that. It's like you can see an architect just creating the course as, yeah. as the ball rolls. Yeah, it's like, it's like you are in the simulation, you know. <laughs> All right, well, this track's finished. We're going to get into um, the next song. And this, my whole set, is kind of a preview for next week's episode. And I'll talk more about that at the end of the show. Um, so this first track is from Escape Goat 2, which is one of my favorite games of 2018. Did it come out in 2018? Let's just say it did. Okay, my, that I played in 2018. <laughs> a, a wonderful uh, puzzle game um, by Magical Time Bean. Um, and this is a track called Restoration, composed by Ian Stalker, a.k.a. Magical Time Bean. the track Restoration from the game Escape Goat 2 
<laughs> it is on PlayStation 4. I think it's also on Steam and is it on Xbox? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. it is. It's um, composed by Ian Stalker, aka Magical Time Bean. Like and, I know I got oof. the first Escape Goat on Xbox 360. Yeah. So I'd wager the sequel was on Xbox One. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite soundtracks right now that I've heard. Because to me, it's got a great mixture of kind of an 80s synthesizer sound and kind of a cooler, smooth, not jazzy, but kind of cool, smooth vibe that also sounds like demo scene music from the 90s. And mm-hmm. I, it's really cool. Um, the whole soundtrack is like this, but this is this is the first um, song in the first like uh, set of stages in, in this game. It's really, really great. What did you think of this one, Hamek? Yeah, this was good. I'm unfamiliar with this soundtrack or this game, but I remember back in the 90s uh, on PBS, they would have this program that would basically showcase like early 3D like animation and yeah. art, and there'd just be like shapes flying around the screen. <laughs> and this sounds exactly like something from that. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was just saying earlier, um, while the song was playing, that it sounds a lot like uh, like CDI music, like something. Mm-hmm. Like oh, CD technology just came out, and we're now we can make cubes, you know, on the screen, polygons. We need to celebrate. This is with the future. chill music, and so yeah, and so this kind of music would play. Um, yeah, I'm imagining like some kind of VHS, like um, kind of it, aesthetic. And it's interesting yeah. with this OST too, because like I haven't played a ton of the second game, but I played a great deal of the first. And remember how earlier I made the comment stating that I don't typically like search for chill type music and it usually just kind of happens in games and makes me appreciate it yeah. in the context right. of the experience. So in the case of Escape Goat, his trailer track sold me on the game. Like I didn't even care <laughs> if Escape Goat was fun. Yeah, it was one of those things where you heard the song and you thought, I need to I need to hear this. the rest of this OST on the game. This isn't one of those cases where I knew the music was so good, I had to get to the next set of stages to hear the next song. Like, yes. I knew what it was going to sound like. Because um, as the game progresses, there could be more dangerous levels or fiery levels, and the music kind of accompanied that whole, like, the whole vibe of the of, of the different stages. And with that said, really I, I have to say, and I'm not sure if you guys have, well, you, you just admitted that you have, but I'm not sure if Hammock has, but I will say that one of my favorite experiences or favorite scenarios when I play a game is to enjoy the music so much that the thing I most look forward to on the next stage is not the stage, but what music will play yeah. during the stage. Totally. Like, Hardcore's Uprising was a major example oh, of that. Oh, yeah, that was Toto Fujimori, yeah. Good memory, because I... <laughs> That's the only reason that I remember, because he did... He's a Konami guy. He's a Konami boy. Working on um, DDR. Because it's either <laughs> him or Daisuke Ishiwater. Oh, it's yeah. one of the two, because I know that it was like a collaborative game. Like, Arc System had their hand in the cookie jar there, too. Mm-hmm. And it was all rock. Yeah, heavy. So good. Super, super heavy. But would you say there is a game that you can think of, Hammock, where you pretty much were more so in it for the jams than for the game experience itself? Um, <clears throat> probably, for me, it was Chrono Cross for the PlayStation. Because the game was... Okay, it was pretty cool. I mean, Chrono Trigger was one of my favorite games growing up, and it's still one of my favorite games, but the music was just so beautiful, and I would just basically have my character standing there on the screen and just let it play while I was walking around the house or doing chores. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even play the game. I would just let the music play, and then I was excited to see what the next level was going to have or, you know, if you go to this other town, what's the music going to be like? So, yeah, yeah Chrono Cross. I can, get, I can go with that because I can say now, when you, just from the offset of the first time, Arnie Village or whatever, <laughs> that track, 
Oh, it's beautiful. And not only does it encompass well what you just said about, I just let the thing run while I just sit there, but it sets the stage for what you hope the rest of the game will give you oh, because man. that yeah. home world Arnie Villas track is just superb. Yeah, I think anybody who's really played played through at least half of that game, like once they got to that another world world map stage, mm-hmm. they probably just left it on that stage for a while. Yes, <laughs> it's just, so good. That that that, that chill. Um, guitar like riff, like acoustic guitar riff. It's, it's oh yeah, I love it. I even recently thought about going back and trying to play that game again. I bought it for the Vita, like the downloadable version of it, just to see if I could sit down and give it a nice portable rego. Well, there was a recently um, on the Retronauts podcast. They did a whole focus on PlayStation music, mm-hmm. and they talked about Chrono Cross and how it was. It wasn't just the, the 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 music and the production quality, but like down to the details. Because during that track, you can hear all the different um, like the, the the squeaks on the string of like the fingers on the string. Like mm-hmm. it, it was really intimate. It was really really pretty. And hearing it again and listening for it, it kind of gave me a new appreciation. Um, that's Chrono Cross, everybody. Chrono <laughs> <laughs> Cross. Actually, I really night! I really really love that game. I have a really good um, experience with that. I'm um, playing that with my wife uh, Christy. She's super into Chrono Cross trying to collect all the different characters it was it was fun and every time he heard a new song it was really really cool yeah mm-hmm. and i think i got for me with that game i love how we're like we just stuck with Kuro-Kuro. oh it's fine that's what but, we do like um i always felt like for all the disappointment that the game brought for people mm-hmm. i think the way they when i stopped tying it to trigger yeah because honestly and i think hammock can vouch for this too you bought it when it came out you wanted a chrono trigger sequel and you didn't really get it but as time went by and I stopped remembering, or not so much remembering, but I stopped focusing on that connection, and was like, "Here's this cool game yeah. with a lot you of characters." S- in separate it. it from like the uh, the franchise. Yeah, separate it from the, the IP. And once you do that, and you put it in there with those eyes, it's like all of a sudden this game actually works. Well, that's and probably why we we had an appreciation for it because I never played Chrono Trigger when I played that game. Ah, uh, that would yeah. definitely do it. And neither did Christy. So. And yeah. once you got used to that magic system, mm. though I'll admit that it's a little weird. it did kind of make a number of characters overlap a little, mm. I still feel like there were some really cool subtleties to how that would work, how you build your guys out and you have like this weird like audio wave thing going at the bottom of your screen that, that depicts what your you oh, know how, which, what skills you have tied to what um, trees mm-hmm. or what level or whatever. And yeah, then you're like, like bouncing kind of, the color patterns. Yeah the, yeah, the color patterns, like the blocks of color that would come out. It was like I used to get. We started getting the dragon fights. You were like really getting into like, okay, I got to balance the colors so that this one's up there at this exact time. Because yeah. if he goes, he's going to wipe the board. It becomes more of like a weird color matching board game. I found it fight. though. And one last one last thing about Chrono Cross is I found it when I played Chrono Trigger later that it wasn't so difficult. Like I didn't. I never felt like I had to balance the the magic. Trigger, that, you said? Yeah. Yeah, trigger is easy. Like, it's yeah, fun. like it was fun. I mean, the same thing with Chrono Cross. And I never felt like there's a lot of fights that I had, like I was worried about losing it. Like, I don't think I had many game overs. I think uh, later, once they introduced the, mm-hmm. again, the color splashing, how the bosses could, like, yeah, do the, a full color splash and then, yeah, like, the a bosses. super attack, yeah. that was the time to step up your game. But otherwise, I agree. It was more about just the experience. Mm. All right. So we're on to your song. All right. <laughs> Uh, a, a your song, <laughs> a, a yuck. <laughs> well, I'm going to start this one with a little bit of a different style of game than what I'm used to picking on the show. But hey, what can I say? I'm I'm in an unfamiliar territory with Hammock and Rob here. I got to bring my A game too. So this track is from the game Shenzhen Input Output, and the track title is called Concentration. And the, comp- the composer is Matthew S. Burns. <laughs> 
Welcome back. You're listening to the track titled Concentration from the game Shenzhen Input Output, composed by Matthew S. Burns. So, I wasn't sure if this was what folks had in mind with the topic of chill music, but I felt as though this hit those notes for me, both in how it's used in the game it's in, and also just the sound itself. Um, yeah, it's very bassy very like it's got it's got a fun beat to it but it's all very light yeah yeah i like that it's music that can you can it can be played Mm -hmm. it's relaxing and it but it's also good for keeping you on like a i guess like a path of thinking like it keeps you it doesn't put you to sleep yeah but it just keeps you focused it's funny a lot of a lot of the uh, reviews on the soundtrack on Bandcamp was like oh this is like really good music that kind of gets out of the way i do it while i'm programming or at work yeah actually funny enough when i found the track for the episode i ended up listening to it while i was doing like two trainings and exams for work because it was just the perfect sound oh wow and in the context of the game itself this game, I'm still adapting to it and getting used to it. It's a new type of game for me. So it's a puzzle game, but it's like a, it's pro- programming. It's puzzles? programming. Like yeah. My our friend Mike got me into this, and the idea is that you are an employee at a company called like Shenzhen, you know, Electric or, or something. I have the manual on the car because pr- apparently you print the manual out and keep it on hand, keep it my handy. God. But uh, you are basically performing different tasks for this company. Mm-hmm. It usually involves programming circuit board chips and wiring, like connecting wires and whatnot, and, and you know, setting, creating different signal patterns and stuff. It's weird. Like the first mission is, it's like a test to see if they'll hire you for the company. It's like, okay, we have the security camera, and we need you to program this chip to match the light pattern that the model security camera is putting off. So basically, you're programming the lights on a security camera to see if you're someone they'll hire just to start working, and it gets more and more complicated. Really complicated, and then you're like trying to compare your scores against your friends to see who is the more efficient worker, and yet it works. <laughs> it's actually fun. That's cool. So, um, a, a hammock. Have you have you do you have any uh, soundtracks or anything that you like to have like in the background where you're doing other things, like specific like the uh, game soundtracks, or maybe there's other activities that you enjoy doing while listening to music. Um, yeah, uh, my job requires a lot of report writing. So, uh, I mean, I just kind of go sh- shuffling through my uh, iTunes library. Uh, as you can imagine, it's a lot of chill music. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of bounces from soundtrack to soundtrack. But um, I-, I definitely like this sound, this uh, track. It-, it sounds like call waiting music. You know, <laughs> you're, on, you're on hold and you're just hearing this in the background. It kind of has that digital sound uh, like you're in a, in a waiting room for a doctor's office. Mm. But well, they like never future, get me to go in a yeah. future doctor's office where the doctor's a robot. Uh, then they really wouldn't be able to get me to go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just kind of something that I can't really concentrate when there's lyrics or, you know, listening to podcasts where people are talking. So just plugging in some chill, no. uh, kind of <laughs> minimalistic sounds and then writing reports. That's what I do. Yeah. I see there's it's like well, you're reporting or you're just getting all weird technical here. So is your reporting like, you know, like database, like data reporting, or is it like analysis reporting? Like based on the situation that we face here, I feel as though a fifty percent reduction in da 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 will be what's required yeah. to get us to the next phase. Hmm. Well, actually, uh, my my real job outside of 
being the host of KVGM The Last Wave, I'm an archaeologist. So, oh, awesome! Uh, so a lot of them are, you know, reports based on our excavations, our finds, and synthesizing all the the data and putting it into something that oh, our clients cool. can read. That's really cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah, we do a yeah. lot of, um, I guess, financial stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I said I think I get this I feel I I'd very much prefer the archaeology yeah not just for the work itself but just to also tell off people who are comparing my life to Laura Croft like no that's that's not that's not how it is at all it's never been that way right yeah except for that one guy yes I mean half of your job is really just you know having two guns in your hand and like you know running into caves and fighting mummies right I mean you can say yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a that's a big part of it. <laughs> so I had it wrong the whole time. That really is how it is. You had to pass an exam. <laughs> you see two large blocks and a pressure plate panel five hundred feet away. There's a tiger behind a wall. It's a gated wall. We don't know why there's a gated wall in this cave. What do you do? Uh, part of part of the uh, the exam is like having to uh, collect. Um, key cards and putting them in the right door to get to the next area. <laughs> and if you ask why there's a cave with key cards in it, you are yep. immediately failed because you're supposed to just accept it for how it is. <laughs> All right, so we are on to um, Hammock's next pick. KVGM, okay. pick number two. What's your track? Okay, this is from the PlayStation game Einhander. Uh, Einhander. Uh, I don't know how it's pronounced, but the track is called Earthlight, and the composer is Kenshiro Fukui.
listening to Earthlight from the game Einhander for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Kenshiro Fukui. And ooh, that's another awesome, awesome track, Hammock. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like you should have brought some extra hammocks with you for this episode, <laughs> given <laughs> some of these tracks here, because I'm feeling it oh, in man. a good way. Yeah, this is definitely on the uh, the, the deeper almost sexy kind of uh, smooth vibe with this track, which is interesting for a game like Einhander, which is just balls-to-the-wall action. Well, (laughs) we confirmed during the break that this is from the credits. Yes. So in that regard, I could see it making more sense Mm. because you've already gone nuts taking out the entire, you know, alien threat or whatnot. And now the music is just about you going home to relax with a cold beer. Yeah. Your, your, the misses and some fine, fine NBC programming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this is no wait, no. This is you coming home, putting on TGIF. That is true, because <laughs> yeah. you know in the future they got wise and brought it back because they know better. Get it with the program ABC. But like, yeah, this I I genuinely appreciate this track and I kind of regret not even buying Einhander because when it came out, it was. During like Square's like experimental phase, yeah, there were there were a lot of different type of games coming out at the, during this time. It was 1997, so we're talking like what Incredible Crisis and stuff like that. Now, I think Incredible Crisis was later than this, but we had all kinds of things like you know Barbie Horse Adventures and Scooby Doo and the Mystery Gang. You know, <laughs> we had Fred Flintstone, the quest for the you know for the for the golden you know gear or whatever. All of these, 8 p.m. NBC. <laughs> they all came on TV. <laughs> no. But, like, yeah, there were a lot of, like, weird different like different games that were coming out of Square at the time. Mm-hmm. And when Einhander showed up, I didn't have the faith in one that they could do a shooter that would justify the expense compared to get just waiting to pay for another company's yeah, game. Yeah. And, of course, it was also pre-YouTube, you know YouTube, so I couldn't, like, sample the wares of music. So I just kind of let it sit on the shelf, and of course now, as we know, mm-hmm. Einhander has quite the pedigree and an OST to match, as we are listening to right now. Yeah, when I look at um, OSTs for shoot 'em ups, like they kind of go in two directions, right? They're either going to be really crazy prog, prog rock, jazzy, or they're going to be um, kind of like more on the heavy techno or heavy metal type side of things. Especially when you go back towards like things on the Genesis and on the PlayStation, um, things get a lot. I don't know, they get a lot chiller, a lot vibier. And, um, Hammock, you said you're also a fan of the Legacy Music Hour, so you're familiar with uh, Thunder Force 4? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's 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 always in my rotation on, on my uh, on my iPhone in the car, um, tracks from the place. But the, the, specifically the, the jazzier, more proggy tracks from that game. Yeah, and absolutely. This, this song sounds like it could fit kind of right in there with that one. Yeah, definitely. I actually have a question for him. See, I'm just pulling them out of my brain now. Let's do it. Pull it out. Pull it out with some tweezers, Pernell. There we go. <laughs> okay. So, out of curiosity, and especially considering that your pedigree is of the chill style of music, um, you've had a really bad day at work. You know, your boss threw his coffee at your wall, walked out the door, you took a pay, all kinds of weird, rough things, and you had to come home. What do you listen to? What is your feel better about a rough day music? Mmm. <laughs> Damn, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I really like the Sega bass fishing games. They have... <laughs> They're great. 
the real fishing real fishing and sega bass fishing both mm-hmm. of those soundtracks they are you know there's some really chill music but there's some also really nice quiet relaxing just kind of soothe your soul uh environmental sounding you know you, you get the water lapping on the shore you got the sound of crickets and whatever else so i, I kind of like that um i don't know th- this feeling of being out on a lake somewhere i think that's a pretty like solid that. selection like honestly i can't vouch speak for rob on this but i didn't really have an appreciation or fondness for that stuff until we did our fishing episode on yeah. the show we had a listener which listener was it was it wicked sephiroth I want to say it was Wicked Sephiroth. Yeah, he kept sending us um, uh, track suggestions from fishing games. So (laughs) we just ended up doing a full episode on fishing games. And then we had a um, a whole, like, we did like a mixtape of of fishing games. It Um, was really good. It was just so much. It was, and we really, there was one I knew that you would be really into, Hammock. It was called Fishing Simulator. 2016 or something like that. Yeah, the wrong guy. I, I forget, but it was all it was all just acoustic guitar um, with like some like light synths in the background and just sounds of like you know water kind of lapping up against the uh, the side of the pond. It was really cool. That sounds nice. Yeah, it was really really nice. Um, yep. Definitely not like an arcadey fishing game. It was really like <laughs> you log in, you stand by a pond, you you kind of just throw a rod and yeah, reel. You kind of fish. I'm waiting for the version where you can actually, you know, catch the fish and then send in like an image to the company showing what you caught, and then they'll mail you the fish <laughs> so that you can cook it and eat it. Fish, <laughs> fish cleaning simulator. There you go. That, that is the real deal. The oh, fish cleaning is real. They could like combine it with surgeon simulator, where you have to like move like your hands around with you. <laughs> That's getting a little strange. And yet at the same time, I could see it working. Alright, so my next track is also from Ian Stocker, um, aka Magical Time Beam, but this is for um, a game he worked on on the Nintendo DS called Monster Tail, and this track is called The Aqueduct Temple, again by Ian Stocker.
This is the Aqueduct Temple from the game Monster Tail for the Nintendo DS, composed by Ian Stocker again. Um, so yeah, this whole soundtrack, it's, it's, it's really, I think these rips, some of the music was ripped from the DS, and some of the music was actually um, from Ian Stocker on his YouTube page and his SoundCloud page. Um, with the direct audio out because the DS did some kind of um, compression to the music. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not as bad as like the Advance, the Game Boy Advance, but did some compression to the music and really affected the sound quality and had some hissing and some kind of artifacts. So this sounds really smooth. Yeah, this is a good... This is, honestly, I never even got to this dungeon, I'm guessing, because I don't recognize this track, but it's. I'm surprised to learn that he worked on this. Yeah. So this game, I learned about it by accident. And when I learned about it and what it was, I jumped on it and picked it up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think even they didn't print much of it. The premise is that you are a little girl who just gets transported to a weird world. And she wakes up and there's a little monster friend there that she befriends. <laughs> and then they run around trying to figure out how to get her home. But as they're doing so, there are a bunch of other kids who also got warped there. And they're all terrible children. And they befriend <laughs> really terrible monsters. So they pretty much decide that they run this little monster's world now. So she ultimately ends up helping him free his world from these bratty kids. And it's a lot cooler than it sounds because the bottom screen is where the monster lives. Yeah. And like as you beat monsters up on the mm-hmm. top screen, sometimes they'll drop items like catapults oh, and cookies it. and cupcakes and stuff. And they'll go to the bottom screen when you pick them up. And then you can like use the monster to go to, say, the catapult mm-hmm. and make him use it, and he'll start launching rocks to the top. Or you can feed him different foods you find. He can evolve and morph into new forms of monster based on the food you feed him. Huh. And I, he- I, love, I love that. That's a really interesting use of having two screens. Like They did that a lot with the DS, where it was like, oh, they could have just had a map there, or they could have just done like some weird touch screen thing with it. But they were really creative with some of these games. Yeah, that's that's always why when people are saying things like, "Oh, the DS was just extra," it was dumb. It was like, no, you're out of your gourd. No, that was that was the thing, man. We bought that thing. I have on vacation so we could play with you. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I have more games for that system than probably any other, mm-hmm. and a lot of that stems from just me getting a developing a sheer appreciation for that dual screen mechanic, yeah. and a lot of the music from the games themselves. Mm-hmm. Was like it felt like a nice callback to like a simpler but more musically superior time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, uh, Hammock. So you said you, you like to listen to a lot of uh, chill stuff at work. Um, would you say that some of the chill music is more on the electronic side of things, kind of like uh, some of the tracks that we've heard tonight, or um, are there other artists that do maybe more like kind of down tempo hip hoppy stuff, or maybe acoustic? Yeah, uh, I would say a mix of all of those, actually. <laughs> it kind of just depends on the mood. Uh, we get a lot of rain here in Eugene, as you might imagine. So um, a lot of down-tempo stuff is pretty nice for those rainy days. And um, But something like this, uh, you know, it, it almost has that classic VGM underwater sound. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like a lot of these underwater theme tracks utilize, uh, what is it, like a submarine sonar sound? Yeah, that's that right. Of- um, <laughs> if that makes any sense, but yeah, the, the underwater tracks—they usually have really chill, uh, very easy to to write reports to. Uh, that sound of being underwater. I gotta tell you, man. I'm not. If, um, we've actually, I actually brought her on to this show before, but in the case you've never heard of this track before, you should listen to the submarine castle theme or the 
Japan Sea or the submarine castle themes from um, Goemon 64 because one the Japan Sea track actually both of them capture the submarine sound <laughs> that you're talking about and they're just at least the Japan Sea one is just extremely relaxing mm. like it's if I had to nail a bunch down as far as like my favorites the Japan Sea track is probably one of my all time favorites there was one that we listened to from was it from Ease one of the East games that had like kind of like a, a water drop sound in it. And just, oh yeah, the, the, um, the, that was the shrine. The shrine, the mm-hmm. water shrine. No, just shrine. Just but shrine. and the on the Turbo Graphics CD version of the game, the track played, and throughout the track there were like droplets of water that would hit, and they made sounds for the droplet. So yeah, you don't actually see water hitting the ground in the <laughs> game, but they did a good job of giving you a fantastic track while also making that track. Yeah. It would give you the sense that you're walking around an abandoned, like, moldy shrine. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the drop sound was, like, rhythmic, and it was musical um, with, with, the, uh, with the music. It was, it was like a musical instrument in the game, and yes. I, I liked it. Some people didn't. I'm pro-drop. Oh, this is one case where we're both pro-drop. <laughs> pro-drops. All right, so my last track. Wait, that was my last track. Pernell, we're on your last track. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Forgot about <laughs> me over here, but tracked them. Oh man! All right, hammock ear F. Uh, F. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in that case, I'm going to go with this track then. This track is from the game Front Mission Three, mm. and the track title is called Network, and the composer's name is Koji Hayama. Back. You are listening to the theme Network from the game Front Mission 3, composed by Koji Hayama. While this one is not necessarily as relaxing as the last track, I still feel as though it captures a sense of, like, chill, 
like the relaxation, even with the weird like the thumping from the bass in the background there. Yeah, that that kind of four four kick drum. It's I don't know. It's kind of round and deep enough. It's it's very hypnotic. You yeah, know, like, I, I get that. I kind of fall fall into this track. Oh, that's yeah. good. Thank you. Because I'm like I'm always like, it's hard to tell. Is you guys and your chill. Well, I mean, you know how we do on the show. It's like we kind of have a theme, and then you just do whatever you like. We go with it. You're just gonna go with it, and Pernell, well, I accept it. Oh, thank <laughs> you. This track it plays pretty much as the game mentions. It's, it plays on the network mm-hmm. when you're on the when you're browsing the internet in Front Mission Three because this is well, the internet existed <laughs> because the game's kind of boring. So you just go. Hey, no, no, <laughs> the game itself is very not boring. You check your email. It's just outside of battles. You're check. Yes, it's actually, the weather. you're checking your email. Oh, okay. no, there's no email or weather, but you do check your email. You do shop on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um. And you research information on the internet. That's cool. And it's an interesting little thing to see happen in the game because this is back when the internet was still kind of young. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, development internet was around for ages, but commercial, you know, just consumers using internet was still kind of young. The, the social internet that we see today. Yes. Yeah. So it was like interesting to kind of have this thing where they're like, okay, we're going to we're gonna simulate you logging onto a, a PC and then you can like, type in your name and password. Now, here's your information. Will you check your email? Yeah. And it's like, burp, burp, and it brings up the small image. It's like, Hey, you stole my mech. I'm going to kill you tomorrow. See you then, or something. It's like, whoa, why? How do you get my email account? I love that. Like they so like they were they were uh, they thought ahead. They send you a nice message. Hey, we're going to try to kill you tomorrow. Um, 9 p.m. Good. Uh, thanks a lot. Love, Rob. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> how this guy get my information? But he is kind of friendly. Now I know I can take a good nap. We wake wake up ready, nice and refreshed, ready to throw down. Yeah, I'm Mech Warrior 99. <laughs> AOL.com. How did he find me? Mech, mech Stomper, so is is seventy two. Is this this? You probably hear this music a lot. Then, if a lot of like the story, maybe it might be happening through some of the email in the game. More so, it's not so much the story, mm-hmm. that, but at the same time, like there might be emails that come through that are relevant to the story. Okay, but most of the cinemas or most of the story takes place via like text box cinema scenes, where it's like here's a screen. One chat box at the top, one chat box at the bottom, and there's like an image in the middle of like here's some mech standing ready to punch you, Joe, um, and a background image possibly like a hanger or something. Okay. But it it surprisingly works. The game itself is fun, but also joking. All jokes aside, it can put you to sleep. Yeah, it's kind of because it's all slow, slow, slow paced. Yeah, the only the only front mission game I'm, I'm familiar with is because of the soundtrack is Gun Hazard, Front Mission Gun Hazard for the SNES. Yeah, and that one was uh, like a 2D side scroll. It was like the like the one odd duck in the crowd. Yeah, and that's that's because the um, mainly because the, the composer is. Oh, wow, my brain just froze. <laughs> hey, if the listeners could see your face, they would know. You're like, oh, uh, Kingdom Hearts. You know, Street Fighter Two. Nope, you're on your own, fella. Oh my gosh, oh, this is it's Yokoshimamura. There we go. Because the, Yo- the I'm gonna edit this now because the composer is Yokoshimamura. Now I can really laugh through the whole thing. It's gonna be it's from uh, use Yo Yokoshimamura. And I think that's what the composer actually from the works of Yokoshimamura. <laughs> it's just a winner. Literally bad, like clip. They're like laughing that <laughs> click. Yokoshimamura. Exactly. Yokoshimamura. But like, here's a question for you, Havoc. So, and if I'm actually wondering about this myself, can you think of a particularly out of left field game that struck your interest that you did not expect? Like how I just mentioned earlier that this one front mission game that Rob mentioned was like the odd duck in the series that ended up being like a 2D mech scroller. Hmm. No one saw it coming, 
Whether it was popular or not, I have no idea. But <laughs> I do know no one saw it coming. But like, how would you say, can you think of any games like that that probably happened with you where you didn't expect the game to be good based on what they did and yet it worked? Uh, I guess recently for me it was Golf Story uh, because, you know, going back to golf games, the idea of mixing, you know, a traditional golf game with RPG elements at first sounded really cool, but I was, you know, I was a little skeptic because it's you know maybe hard to pull off but i really enjoyed that game a lot it was very you know cute and pleasant and pretty fun to play so that was one of the more recent ones that stood out to me yeah that was a very cool one so would you recommend that because i have seen it at uh best buy i think limited run put it out as a physical on the shelf for the switch yeah definitely i had a lot of fun playing that i haven't beat it yet but uh if you like power power golf then i think you would probably get a kick out of this one i think there's a two-player best buy will too because they just got a sale i think there's a two-player mode for now i don't think so in golf story maybe (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah (laughs) maybe i'm not sure i thought there was like we go i can always if i end up grabbing i can always we can always find out or we just go mini golf no no (laughs) bad memories of mini golf no Right, we went to a mini golf course oh. years ago where um, it was a really old mini golf course and all the figurines were made of like paper, like, like paper mache, but they were old and oh, kind of up, falling apart the one up, uh, <laughs> you know, on Cocker Pike. Yeah. And uh, I'm sitting here like, while we're supposed to be playing, I'm like the weird guy who's sitting there like, I can't not pull up the paper mache. It's just calling to me. Pull at me. Because like... It's I like couldn't weird, help like, it. Plaster type thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like a piece of string sticking out of a sweater. You can't just ignore that. You it's gotta not, pull it. It's not there anymore for now. Yeah, because someone else finished the job. They <laughs> took all the paper mache statues apart. <laughs> they put houses there. That's what happened. They built those out of paper mache. That that now that mini golf course when I was younger, in its heyday, had a really cool arcade. Um, and I remember they had a lot of games there. I never seen anywhere else. One of them was like a, it was a top down. Um, kind of run around shooter type thing but you had to this is terrible this is me describing a game and hoping Pernell can guess it where you have to defuse bombs defuse bombs? yeah there was like maybe eight or nine bombs like around this like building and you had to go from like place to place it was a 90s arcade game watch I'm about to look that up there, oh they I've... also had um, time killers which was pretty crazy to see in an arcade and kids can just go up and like play a game where you're chopping off heads and stuff that was oh, that's how that was the time was the era for that pre Mortal Kombat. That was pre Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I about to say that was the era where that was all kids were doing. Yeah, it was weird. Just one day, a parent saw it and freaked out. My um, our church had a youth group when we were kids. We would go to this mini golf course and I'd play Time Killers. That kind of makes you think, though, in yeah. a way, doesn't it? Like the fact that Mortal Kombat was the game mm-hmm. that sparked the outrage which resulted in us receiving the ESRB. I know, it's all about but, what catches like the mainstream attention and that's what, for selling units, you know. And that's the amazing thing about like all these games that were in the arcades that were very gory and very violent that no one caught. It's almost like it just outright declares that parents just sent their kids to this mysterious yeah. dark place while they went and shopped at Sears or whatever. Oh, man. Didn't even so much just walk in to see what the kids were doing. My first time seeing a fatality in Mortal Kombat, I was shocked. I mean, I was young. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. You can't, you can do that in the arcade? I you gotta play this game. Out. I gotta play this game. I was the weird kid that I was like, I don't play fighters. Uh, I, I, I want to go, let's play some more play. Put Jumping Flash in or something. Oh, man. 
obviously that was when that game came up, but you know what I mean. Hardcore, Contra Hardcore or something. But I never wanted to play the fighters, but all my friends were so obsessed with the spine rips and the fire and the spike pits. I'm like, it's still a fighting game. It doesn't well, change anything. One, one little thing that I read before we move on, it was a, um, I, we talking about violent games or classic violent games. Um, someone had programmed their Roomba like they're either Roomba or robot that goes around and cleans your house. So what it does is when it has sensors around it. So when it goes around your house, it's actually mapping the perimeter of your rooms mm-hmm. and creates a map so that the next time it goes out, it knows where like, the walls are and where your chairs are and stuff like that. Now, it doesn't save that information to the cloud and to the company. That doesn't get shared anywhere. But someone created like a, a, a script or a program you attach to it that it maps out your house and then creates a doom level based on your house. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, which sounds fascinating. So, I mean, it's going to be Unless small. you live in one room. Exactly. Because be- that's a pretty... You're pretty much going to die when you boot the game. Yeah, it'll probably just like... There's only like random enemies and stuff. So, I, I thought it was a pretty, pretty cool idea. I like the sound yeah. of it. Can I put those in more mansions, though, to get the real Yeah, you need, like, probably combine different houses together and be like, oh, this is, like, my friend's house, but... So and also it's Doom. To, you send one to Snoop Dogg by way of an Amazon, <laughs> you know, package, park, you know, delivery service. And Doom is technically, like, a, really a 2D game. You can't have levels on top of each other. There's no Z-axis. Yeah, but that means you eat the second stage of the second floor. I mean, it, yeah, it exactly. still writes yeah. itself. There's, there's ways around, it writes itself. There's ways around this. All right, so I'm going to turn this track down all the way down, and we're going to get into the part of the show that we call the bonus round. You ready for the bonus round, dog? It's going to be sweet. Bonus round's the part of the show where we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on this show. I'm ready for now. And that was my first, that was my actual attempt to like, this is what a chill guy would sound like. You ready for that bonus round, man? <laughs> what you going to do? After like two cups of tea and a coffee, you're like, oh, this is... <laughs> yeah. Um, Rhythm and Pixels is definitely fueled by coffee and tea late into the evenings. That's for sure. All right. So, um, Hammock, I, um, when I told you about our bonus round um, segment of our show and so that arrangements were allowed, uh, you got excited. So what, what did you... Uh, what did you bring for this part of our ga- of our game show? <laughs> I said game You're show. You're going to say gig? Show about games. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what did you bring to this bar mitzvah? Yeah. All right. I brought an arranged version of the Sunset Sky Part 6 from King of Fighters 95 for the Neo Geo. I played the original Neo Geo version of this track on the second episode of The Last Wave and suggested that everybody go out and listen to the arranged version, this version, so... Uh, You're welcome, everybody. It's Tom. Yeah, it's amazing. Here we go.
the Sunset Sky, part six. This is the staff roll music from King of Fighters 95 Arranged Soundtracks. Um, this was originally composed by Shinsegai Gakiyoko um, Satsugiden, and also arranged by Shinsegai Gakiyoko Satsugiden. Um, and some of these guest musicians, the sax and the flute, Shigeo Fuchino. Wow. <laughs> that is some smooth stuff. That's some like sitting at home with some, you know, some scotch <laughs> and sipping on it, just enjoying enjoying the evening. This is evening music. And this is what I want to mm. hear. I want to hear this at a bar. I want yeah. to I want to be able to walk into a bar, sit at the table, have a guy <laughs> walk walking you know, up, the usual guy with the big handlebar mustache, washing a glass. What are you having? <laughs> you know, my usual hit. You know what I like, son. <laughs> And he's there talking to over yeah. nicely. He's sitting there with a red dress. Like, what brings you to my favorite bar? Yeah, what, and this, yeah, I'm sorry. And this music is just playing, just setting the mood. Set, setting the mood. So what, what do you hear? What do you see when you hear this music? You know, a candlelit dinner, uh, two glasses of red wine, yeah. uh, just, you know, a nice fireplace that's going. Not, not too much, you know. You don't want it to be too uh, feisty, but just kind of a low flame. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's just sitting across from uh, that special someone in your life. You mean the Turbo CD, right? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah, because it's broken again, and you're there fixing it. Pretty much candlelight. And I need two glasses because this thing is very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it was about eight years ago. My my fight stick um, broke, and I had to I had to repair the the USB connection, mm-hmm. and on, and so I had dinner. I had a beer, and then I had, then I had my um, uh, my soldering iron, and then I had another beer, and then I had to fix everything the next day. <laughs> <laughs> the second beer kind of took the skill it. level yeah. way down. So some things don't go hand in hand, and one of them is really hot things and uh, electronics. Very cold beers. All right, so my track is um, another arranged um, piece. This is from Escape Goat Two. Again, this is a <laughs> wild goat chase. And this is originally composed by Ian Stocker and arranged by James McCauley. And he takes this track on a completely different direction. And it's something I think Pernell was, is really going to enjoy. This is a wild goat chase.
this was a wild goat chase from a scapegoat 2 it's ian stocker arranged by james mccauley there was nothing wild about that no but it was really really good <laughs> yeah i thought i thought you might like that one um, you thought correct yeah very very good um so yeah a lot of, a lot of escape goat music i'll get just getting it out of my system it's kind of like rystar yeah just gotta work it work I, it right out it's funny but i'm starting to wonder the, how the track counts compare between the two games hmm I don't know. Never did top off rice. I think you're one track shy still. I, I feel like I really love that soundtrack, but there's a few songs that aren't like radio worthy. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I can understand that, but at this point, like I said, you're only one track from having done the entire OST. So I played my favorites. There's literally the it's all right. what all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started with my favorites. You hear this guy is like I played my favorites. He seriously played the entire OST. I love I love Star. Oh, for good the reason. Game, the game's okay. Game. The game's okay. Hey, you. <laughs> the game's fine. It's a fantastic game. A beautiful music though. I right. just wish he could jump. Yeah, he jumped a little bit better than he does, but that's okay. So what do you have for now? Well, I'm going to flat out state before I even put this thing on that you two brought the thunder, and I brought the sort of loud but not too loud boom. And what I mean by that is it's a great track, but I'm not sure if I feel this is true chill. But that's all right. I'll leave you guys to judge if you think it's good or not, and I think it is. And it is the main theme orchestrated. From the game Bubble Bobble, composed by the Ghana Music Maker. That's his name, not a program.
Well, <laughs> that was a joy. A great joy. What the heck am I talking about? Easy. That is the orchestrated main theme from the game Bubble Bobble. And that was done up by Gane Music Maker. And I believe the original computer composer may have been Zunta. At least you gave me the impression. It right. And Gane Music, um, his name is Matteo Lubire. Nice. I, I cannot do any French. <laughs> well, I'm glad you tried. Yeah. I can blame it on you. It's wrong. But there's, there's a great interview. Um, we'll link the interview on our website um, that I found on a music production uh, blog. And he talks about his process. He talks about um, some of the games that he's worked on himself. So not just arrangements of other music. Interesting. So, so he cool. worked on Punkapu. Yes. So you know that game. I do. There I was go. curious about buying it on multiple occasions, but I never plunked down, but maybe I will now. So yeah, we'll have, we'll have links to that stuff. So if, if um, for more information on the bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com, and we'll have links to SoundClouds, Bandcamps, and, and their blogs, and everywhere where you can buy this music and support the artists. He ain't fooling. Thank you for joining us on episode 16-6 of Rhythm and Pixels with Hammock. Hammock! <laughs> I was just waiting <laughs> from uh, KVGM, The Last Wave. Thank you so much, Hammock. We really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your 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 music um, your music with us. Just sharing with yeah. us, being an awesome dude. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So like this, this was the other track that I was like, which one should I pick? And then so this would have been E. Um, this track, if you've never listened to the OSTs from the Etrian Odyssey series, um, we're probably going to be doing an episode with those at some point. Yes. But for the most part, highly recommend it for your taste in music mm-hmm. because the Yuzo Koshiro is the composer of pretty much all of them, and he does a really good job of balancing tension with relaxation and calm. So, every battle in this game, for the most part, unless you get to the point where you're hyper-overpowered, is a tension rush. Like, enemies are very strong. So, whenever you enter a battle, you're kind of sweating and hoping you don't bork the system here. But, when you're not in combat, and you're just kind of progressing and managing your inventory, Mm -hmm. you're walking through calming forest land. And this is the kind of music that plays when you're walking amongst blue-leaved trees. It's fantastic. I love it. So this is the thousand-year-old blue woodlands. Yes. It really fits, too. But it's also got that classic, like, really classic, like, PC-88 classic Yuzo Koshiro sound yeah. for a DS game, which could, you know, produce more than just sequenced audio. Yeah, but I have a feeling he was just going for this very specific style. Yeah. And, like, because all, all the Yetri Nasi games oh. have this exact style of music that plays in them. Yeah, I wonder if it was something maybe it was asked of him or if it was something he wanted to do. Maybe he missed doing it from the East, doing the East series or like Act Razor. That's a good idea. That's yeah. a good point. I do wonder. Because I, lo- I love it when he, when he does that sound. I mean, of course, I love like Streets of Rage and everything he's doing with like the Beat Mania games. But like, that's cool. Imagine we got him on the show. Well, like, not hey, Beat dude, Mania. tell me. Um, the racing ones Wangan Street. Wangan Midnight? Wangan Midnight, yeah. I think it's amazing. I because that was the one I think you used to actually play that game too. Um, initial D. Now I just listen to the music. <laughs> actually, now it has me thinking. Hammock, what is your favorite genre of game? Would yeah. you say? 
I think RPGs were kind of my bread and butter when I was growing up playing games. I mean, everything on the, the Super Nintendo, uh, you know, I got a, a converter so that I could play Japanese games. And that's that's really where I, I dedicated most of my time growing up was into RPGs. And as I got older, you know, I didn't have as much time to play RPGs and yeah. I kind of lost focus. But yeah, I think, you know, JRPGs, that was, uh, you know, a big part of my gaming experience. I hear you on that, man. This is, and I agree with you. Like JRPGs have been, I think Rob can attest this has been my bread and butter. Oh, pretty much almost exclusively, along with like maybe puzzlers. Most that's of. that's on your tombstone. Oh yeah, <laughs> also Pernell and all the JRPGs he's played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, as you get older, I feel like we paved the way for like the deluge of RPGs hitting at every angle. But we now don't have the time to actually put it to use. <laughs> it's just, it's almost like a, like a, it's a joke. It's like the sad joke that as you get older, you just, you can't play these. Like, I see it like, oh, it's an RPG with, you know, 80, 90, 100 hours of gameplay. And I'm like, nope. Nope. <laughs> like, Although at the same kids, time, that was a great thing. I'll put in that amount of time into playing Street Fighter or, or the new Tetris. I'll put that amount of time into it. But just, I can't sit down for a, a serious length of time to do that kind of thing. It's not that I, I don't want to, or it's not that I do want to, honestly. It's, it's just it's just a matter of you have to think of it. My tastes have kind of changed along with that, I think. See, mm-hmm. that's the thing. I, I, would, I feel like and I have yet to put this to the test because you have to take the leap. <laughs> but I just think it takes the right game. It does. To put you in the mindset that says, I have two hours right here. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm going to progress as far as I can and then come back later and oh, see where I can yeah, go. That's true. Because... I know as soon, me, as like, I, as soon as I finally buy Persona 5. It's going to be like, soon the day you buy it, I'm the next day the they're going to announce Persona 5 R. <laughs> and I'm going to just give you that look like, there it is. Now they got the better version coming out. I remember uh, Persona 3, I waited until uh, Fez came out. Was it Persona 3? Was it called Fez? Persona? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in that case, at least maybe you got the better version then. Maybe that's what's going to happen here because they already they are pretty much all but confirming they're going to do like a better P5 soon. But, um... Yeah, like Dragon Quest XI was like that, even like last year, like that game came out, I started playing it in competition with a friend who was like, hey, we can play this game simultaneously, and I'm playing alongside him, and this is Knucklehead, well, Knucklehead, he's my friend, but in this particular instance, he, um... That's how he, you treat your friends. Nonsense, he's one of my <laughs> best friends. I know. But, like, he picked all the draconian quests, which are, like, pretty much things that make the game harder, I was like, you shouldn't do that, it's gonna, you're gonna get burned out, because... It's gonna make you grind and take longer, what it But he wanted to do it. Like he turned on no shopping and like no armor. All things that pretty much scream, you're gonna be grinding. <laughs> and uh he definitely, of course, did get tired of playing the game. And he just ultimately ended up putting it down because once you have that set up that way, it doesn't work. In my case, though, I turned on everything that made the game more difficult from a gameplay perspective, like as far as like enemy AI and mm-hmm. stuff goes, but left all the actual options to like shop and spend money, and then I didn't spend any skill points. <laughs> so I was fighting like, you know, mid-tier bosses using like the spells you get by default in the game. <laughs> and it made for a very grueling in time because was that, was that intentional or was it just something you just didn't realize? It's just what I always do. Yeah. I hoard skill points. You hoard you you hoard items in these games. Yeah, you but, can appreciate that havoc. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, said it it's like, oh, I got this, I got this really strong potion. I might need it later, and then you finish the game without using it. Yeah, because <laughs> at the same time, just imagine the party they're going to have when everything's set. And then they're all back at the tavern, just chugging mega elixirs. 
Right. <laughs> Dude, don't calm yourself. You're drinking too much. I'll tell you what I've had too uh, much. I can't do that anymore. As soon as I get, like, like, shooting out I get the door. like a strong item, I'm like, uh, you know, I'll probably use it. And then I'll just use it right away. I'm like, uh, I'm terrible at that. Fine. Like, if they wanted me, if, if I had to read an FAQ to know if it's like when to use specific items, like, I don't think it's. And that's a problem. What is the thing? It's a problem. Even my style, it's not so yeah. much of using an FAQ, it's just. Well, I know, I know, but like. What I would, if? Like, what if, like, what further ahead? Like, I don't know the future of, of the game that I'm playing. Like, am I really going to need this later? Yeah, yeah I mean, to me, it's all. like, if I don't need it, why use it now? But yeah. then if you do use it, mm. you'll wish you had it later. So use your Ether 1s instead of your freaking Mega Elixirs. Yeah, that's, that's our message for the audience today. <laughs> save your mega elixirs. You never know when you'll need them. Yeah, and then, yeah. like, you're like 2019. Save your mega elixirs. Jenny, your father passed away, <laughs> and in his will, he left to you five mega elixirs, three tents, four cabins, <laughs> one fire, three spell book. Yeah. But apparently, for what I can tell, looking at you, you're not a black mage. So I don't know what you're going to do with this, but sell it. You'll sell figure it. Sell it. Sell the sell the book. <laughs> All right. Well, um, well, we're closing up shop here. Um, Hammett, can you um, give us a little plug on your show and, and anything else that you want to plug? This, the floor is yours. Sweet. Sorry yeah, for the uh, mess, though. We I dropped some potato chips and candy wrappers. Yeah, we're a little messy here. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, the show is KVGM presents the Last Wave. It's thirty minutes of smooth video game jams every Sunday. So you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at KVGM Radio, or uh, the website is kvgmradio.blogspot.com. Uh, so yeah, if you enjoyed today's show, uh, the the chill atmosphere of tracks, then uh, come on over, take a listen to the last wave. Yeah, absolutely. He's got hammocks. Actually, if if, if you're if you're this far into the show and you enjoyed it, definitely just put on the next one. It's really, really great. I mean, the next one, the next KVGM is what I'm I mean. about to say, like, <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> I mean, like, if you want to stop our show and listen to his show, please do. It's, it's really, 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 really great stuff. Um, and if you'd like to get in contact with us, um, send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And if you'd like more information about our show, a full track listing from all the episodes, access to all the episodes, and access to all the other fun stuff that we're doing, uh, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. In addition, I got to add this. Yes. So, I don't know. I'm just probably going probably to be kicking myself for this later, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Can you think of your top five video game releases that you played in 2018? Doesn't have to have come out in 2018, so long as that was your first time actually playing the game itself. Is it asking the audience? Yes. Yes, yeah, so this is uh, to check us out on. Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you can answer that question there. Or even email. Or even email us. Or you can just just call call Purnell. Yeah, just call my phone. His number is 302-555-7628. It's uh, Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, Check us out there. It's uh, Rhythm and Pixels chat is the group, and we kind of talk games and talk music. Uh, There's a Discord server. If there's a thing on the internet, there's probably a thing there. And then I'm, I'm probably not talking there <laughs> unless it's Twitter or Facebook. But that's kind of a cool as- aspect that we got going. At least yeah, between the two of us, we hit enough platforms. There's enough places. Um, and if you want to support the show, um, go ahead and, and share it with your friends. Tell, tell somebody about it or um, hit the subscribe Please button. Please don't keep it a secret. Don't keep it a secret. Not for long. 
Um, or um, if you'd like to, to support us another way, go to patreon.com slash pixels And there you'll have access to live streams of our show every month. And we like to thank you at the end of every episode. Pranel, will you help me out on this one? I don't know if can I mean, can. Can, can. Can you read it? I can try. On the, the deepest, deepest voice, Brian Kunkel. Oh, Brian Kunkel. Alex, the messenger. The autistic gamer. Cameron Worm. Christopher Shenstrom. Damian Beckles. Wicked Sephiroth. Okay. Impala. <laughs> Just right now. Carlos Kung Fu Carlito. My man, Henrik Anders. Michael Bridgewater. The B-Man, Brian the Pit. Morton Gang So Solo. Chris Murray! Chris uh, Murray. New Patreon subscriber, Stephen Miller. Jupiter! Jazz. Soulless Sanctuary. John. John G. Joe Vassalo. Chris Stevenson. And finally, David, a.k.a. Daniel Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you all for your continued support of the show. Um, we do really appreciate it. Uh, next week, if everything works out right, we'll have uh, the composer Ian Stalker, aka Magical Time Bean, uh, joining us on the show. See, I guess Rob wanted to get his tracks out of his system, yeah. so he wouldn't be like, "Hey, thanks for coming on our show. Here's all your music." But that was me getting obsessed, um, researching all of his music, and then frantically emailing him and being like, "Do you want to do our thing?" And he was like, yeah, sure. Well, I got to admit, though, when you mentioned that, like, yeah, he agreed to go on the show. There was a, there was that that small center in my chest that forgot what excitement was. It got rekindled yes. just for a bit. It's exciting. So. I was like, wow, that's the guy I listened to. I listened to a lot of his music in the past. I didn't even realize it was him for the most part. Know, so. stuff. And we're going to get into that. Um, I think I think we'll get into that unless he wants to do um, something different on the next show. That'll be 16-7. But until then, um, you've been listening to Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Thank you very, very much for listening and have a safe week. And remember, the new year has just come by. We are officially knee deep in 2019. And I'm sure you got a whole pile of resolutions just ready to go. Losing weight. You're going to write that novel you've been waiting to write. You know, all that cool stuff. But... As tends to happen with New Year's resolutions, you go gung-ho, knee-deep, fast-forward, and you get kind of tired. You burn out because you put a little too much in when you get started. What you want to do is try to pace yourself. Take it bit by bit. Drop an ether if you feel as though you need that extra boost for a little bit more NP. <laughs> but just kind of take your time. Don't expect to get it all done in a month and allow yourself to breathe because this is something new you're embarking on. You're not going to just rev up and go and be content with doing it indefinitely. So you want to take your time and ease on in. But hey, also, if you do get to the end of the year and you did the easing process and you were able to get to the end and you accomplished your goal, you should have a lot of mega elixirs sitting around at that point because you didn't need them. So, you know, put the, that could be your New Year's toast. <laughs> Everyone can toast mega elixirs. That's the, that's the optimum play there.